Why, hello. Fancy meeting you here. I'll be your host this week, Kaylee, and this is the Week 13 Patch. We've got another cozy crew joining us, starting with Spencer. Hello. I still don't have furniture. What is up with that? Uh, well, we didn't. We sold a bunch of our furniture, and then um, the pandemic happened. But really, it's that Suez Canal boat, like really, like <gasps> screwed up a lot of people's like furniture shipments. So, oh, like, shit. there's just no furniture to be had. Oh shit, Zyger, how'd that fuck up your life? His family owns multiple furniture stores, so that's like <laughs> their livelihood. No, so uh, my dad. Uh, when he started his whole furniture company, he shopped only local. He rarely ever imports anything. So he has distributors oh. in L.A., uh, San Jose, and just other parts uh, throughout all of California. So a lot of the stuff he's still able to get. We do import occasionally, but it's it's a rare thing. Like those fucking thing. bunk beds? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I, I, is that a deep cut? How many furniture people do we have listening to this podcast? Your bunk beds, and you just start groaning internally. You're here. All right, and that's Zyger. You're Zyger. You're here, you're here too. Good introduction. Awesome transition, Katie. Such a good host. Yeah. <laughs> you need your button, our our Jordan button. Wait. I'm with Kaylee on this one. <laughs> Did you guys hear that? No. No. Okay, well, on my Twitch stream, it works. I tried it out. I made an I'm with Kaylee on this one sound deck button. Like a, a button on my stream deck, a soundboard button. So now I just press it all the time, and it's like I'm with Kaylee on this one. <laughs> so good. I'm so good at editing. I'm like the most talented person. Also, obligatory, super spooky, cursed episode. It's week thirteen, babies. Think we wouldn't notice. Think we'd forget. It's week thirteen, and that means it's time to think about it's. Special Baker's Dozen episode, which means it's time for another round of all of the things we fucked up over the episodes. That means it's time for the hot fix. So in an earlier episode, uh, we talked about that dude that got kicked off of Broadway for being abusive and crazy douchey. Uh, his name was Scott Rudin. You don't need to remember that, because fuck him. I love that we couldn't, but for the record. Uh, we also, it, it was adorable because the episode I wasn't on, I was editing, and I was just in that way you do when you're listening to a podcast and like probably some of you were doing that week screaming the answer when spencer was like who's that groomer from youtube that would like go after young women and stuff and is a pedophile and wrote a book onion and i'm like onision onision it's yeah. onision onion onision. boy i forgot and about just- him yeah, Onision is horrible and is to this day still just got his partner on YouTube or on Twitch handed to him and had another book come out again after being a known groomer and probable pedophile. So that's fun. Also, in all of our near replicant discussions that we've been having, Jordan made some bold claims that they freely admit they did not fact check. So for the fact check record, their point remains true. But Near Replicant came out in 2010, not 2013. And PlayStation trophies started in 2008. Jordan was pretty sure that Near Replicant predated trophies. It was the opposite. But while Near 2010 did launch with trophies, a thing that they didn't think happened, it did not launch with the random transphobic hate crime trophies. So they were correct that that was not a thing that they were doing to, quote, like, preserve the history of the game. That was a brand new 
horrific gross trophy that was added just for the re-release special. Just for the record. Also on a previous episode, uh, those synchronized swimmers Kaylee called the Fosse swimmers was a reference to Esther Williams, who was in the movie Siegfried Follies. Follies, Fosse. She was a famous synchronized swimmer turned actress in the 50s, as I'm sure all of you already know. Very familiar with the career of Esther Williams, as I am. Super topical reference. Kaylee's very hip. All right. That's going to do it for all our fuck-ups. You'll notice that none of them mattered. Most of them were the names of rapists, so fuck them. And we're still always right. And with that, it's time for the scrum. The scrum. E3 saw how sad y'all were last week when Konami pulled out, so it announced 10 new additions to the lineup in a not-at-all-we-think-she-doth-protest-too-much situation. Square Enix, Sega, Bandai Namco, Gearbox, Turtle Beach, Verizon, Exceed Games slash Marvelous USA, Freedom Games, Devious Eye Entertainment, and Binge.com all promise very important news, according to the latest press release. Now, I can't pretend I'm not stoked for Bandai Namco because I want Tales of Arise. It's coming out this year. They promise this is the perfect time for a delicious, like maybe we'll get some gameplay. Maybe there'll be another trailer, but longer. I don't care, but I'm I'm stoked. Exceed is always exciting. I want to know if Chad Square Enix Japan or Virgin Western Square Enix is showing up before I get too excited about them. Also, Verizon, gross. Gearbox, gross. Turtle Beach, is, is there any way they have something E3-worthy to announce? That's, that's going to be one goddamn good headset. You're telling me that you're like, oh, yeah, I don't know. Um, Konami can't make it? We, we'll, we'll, we'll cover four of We got some news that people want to hear about. Also, very skeptical of anything called Freedom Games. I don't know if that's the company coming out with that horrific Native American MMO, but that's the kind of shit I expect. I don't know. I don't trust it. Sorry, Freedom Games. Post podcast edit, Kaylee here doing the unthinkable to the time to admit that after this recording, Zyger looked into it and Freedom Games is the cutest fucking game anyone's ever seen. They have adorable Stardew Valley space, they have Cat Cafe, they have like a puppy cafe game. I feel bad, but also the joke was really funny and I need to know that they need to change the damn name, so I'm leaving it in, but I'm taking the time. To edit this part right now, sorry Freedom Games for teasing your shit is cute, but maybe rethink your brain. Exceed is definitely Otome, for sure. I'm so stoked for Exceed. Like, yes. no matter what it is, it's got to be good, right? They barely do anything else. I really hope we just get, like, Otome games in the face. Because with Otome, with something niche, if you're going to be like, we are at E3 by ourselves, not mixed in the indie pile, that means they got to have quantity. Because what it, quality doesn't matter. The quality is always going to be top tier, but it's a niche thing, so no one gives a fuck. That means if they're willing to speak out, oh, maybe PS5 games. Yeah, I was thinking about all the Exceed and Marvelous games that I've played recently. It's like, oh, a lot of them were on PS Vita. Some were on 3DS, so you, we might see a couple Switch games. Maybe? I would love them on Switch, to be honest. That's where visual novels belong. I want to lay in bed. I lied. That's where I want them. I'm lazy. But... Some of that's very exciting. Binge.com, I refuse to type in my web browser. Sorry. I'm not, you're not winning this round. 
Sony registered a trademark for Sunset Overdrive, but we have no idea what that means yet. So we have absolutely no idea what this means. However, I think that this could lead to either a uh, remake of the original Sunset Overdrive or a sequel. I really don't think it's going to be a remaster of the original because Xbox has the publishing rights to that game. And I don't feel like Sony will go to Xbox. I feel like they would just remake the game themselves instead of going to the competitor and asking to get this game published on PS4 slash PS5. I just want to know why everyone wants to pretend like Mass Effect doesn't exist. They're not going to do that thing that they did a decade ago when the competition was even stiffer and Sony was the ones losing. So they didn't have the money to be doing things like that, but then they did. Like, why? I, I, I could see this being a roundabout way of seeing that, like, the sequel is going to be on PS4 or PS5, like Titanfall 2. But wasn't Titanfall 2 on PS5 too? Uh, or was it only ever exclusive? It, the uh, Titanfall 2 was uh, multi-platform. That's what I thought. Okay, yeah. So I could see Sunset Overdrive becoming like a Titanfall thing. But I could also very, very, very... like I could see them having been like, yeah, we'll give you MLB the show. Um, but we want a copy of Sunset Overdrive. They literally... like PlayStation just gave Xbox their most precious sports IP. And you're like, I don't think that there's any way... For Sony, yeah. Sony's most precious sports IP. What would top it? No, no, I was saying... (laughs) My statement was, I think that's their only one, so... But, like, that's how big a deal it is. But, like, they have studios that don't do anything but that, and those studios make good money. Yeah, I don't know. I disagree. I think that... We don't know if Sunset Overdrive is coming to PlayStation, but I feel like if PlayStation was going to... Because obviously Sony knew that them registering a trademark for Sunset Overdrive was going to pop up in gaming news, right? They didn't think that was going to be a fucking secret. So if they're going to do a remaster, or I'm sorry, if they're going to do a full-on remake of a brand new game, which doesn't make any sense to me, but sure. They did Last uh, of Us. Well, they're doing Last of Us, right? right? And we know why, because they want their studio to be kept busy. Is that the reason they gave? They were like, we want to give this studio something to work on that we know is at, like, they can handle, but will also make us money. And the only thing we could think of was to remake The Last of Us. That's the reason they gave. It's insane to me. It baffles, it boggles the mind. You're yep. confused because it doesn't make sense. Like, <laughs> or, what is it, if you were like, is studio? it me? Is it me? Is it me? I don't understand. It, it's not you. It's them. What's the studio? Was it San Diego that's who was working on the remake of The Last of Us, but now is being given to Naughty Dog? I don't know, but that would explain why they were like, uh, MLB. Well, they should just be doing MLB the show for Microsoft right now, I guess. I would say that for Sunset Overdrive, I would be excited to see a remake. I would be excited to see Sunset Overdrive with the Spider-Man engine. Like, like when, like the only thing that made me excited about Insomniac getting Spider-Man was having played Sunset Overdrive because that mechanic is like, you can see where Spider-Man came from in Sunset Overdrive. So the only thing I would want to see is a Sunset Overdrive with the Spider-Man engine. Like, that's it. I just realized, wasn't Sunset Overdrive a launch game for the last generation Xbox? No. Is that, it, is that it a launch? Out? It was like... 
18 the, months or two years after. Right, but, like, it was one of the ones that was publicized. It was like, oh, buy an Xbox One. It has, some, you know, it's going to have Sunset Overdrive. Like, wasn't yep. it one of the ones that they pushed when the console? Yes. I'm sitting here thinking of Sunset Overdrive as being, like, a couple-year-old game. And I just realized, I'm like, wait, it was, like, one of the tent poles of the beginning of the last generation. It's not that yeah. new. <laughs> Sunset Overdrive was the game you had to get if you wanted the white Xbox because it came that in that correct. bundle. Yep. Because that's what I got it. It's because I wanted the white Xbox. Because you're a woman of refined taste. <laughs> okay, so that game is older than I thought. So, okay, a remake does sound more reasonable. But still, my point was, if Sony knew that a trademark was going to get leaked and it wasn't going to be Sunset Overdrive, the port, uh, and it was going to be something better, let's be real, anything else is better than just a port of a 10-year-old right. game, right? Agreed. If it was going to be... a Anything other than that, I would have trademarked like Sunset Overdrive Remake or Sunset Overdrive 2. You know, like, you know, is that, am I wrong? Or is it just like, yeah, Sony should have, but that's Sony. They would, they would miss an opportunity like that. I don't know which is right, but it just, it just feels weird that if it's anything other than just like, you're going to have to play that game. Maybe it's a remaster, you know? Would a remaster be the same as a remake in terms of publishing? I feel like a remaster, they're still paying Microsoft. I I feel like, yeah, remaster is this more or less the same as porting. The only way they can get around the publishing is if it's a full remake. Right. So I still think they're cutting a deal with Microsoft. I don't think that they would remake it. I don't think it's cheaper to remake an entire game than it is to cut Microsoft a check and remaster it. It, That's that, just speaking from a like if you're try if you're a soulless corporation trying to maximize money, I can't imagine it's, it's cheaper to build something from scratch than cut that check. I do agree with that. I'm very curious to see how uh, Insomniac feels about this. If they wanted to do a remaster or a remake, since I'm assuming the Ratchet Clank team is going to be the team that works on this Sunset Overdrive, whatever it is. We know they were upset that Microsoft didn't pick up a sequel for Sunset Overdrive. Like, Insomniac's been pretty vocal that they were pretty ticked that that didn't happen. A former Skybox artist for Halo Infinite dropped some hot goss on its development over on a Chinese message board. And Reset Era confirmed that by doing so, they totally spoiled a story Jason Schreier was working on. Ha ha. <laughs> so good. I can't handle it. How does it feel now, Jason? Oh, does does it does it fuck up your plans and all the work you did and now you have to scramble and crunch to have a new story because somebody just leaked all the stuff that you put a lot of time and effort into? That must suck for you, dude. Uh, the employee is overall positive and optimistic about the state of the game when it launches, but does confirm that it suffered from hella crunch and lots of cut content in both single and multiplayer aspects. The game is being developed alongside the engine it's running on, which worked out super well for Final Fantasy XV and Cyberpunk. Overall, the game was in bad shape during its last showing because of these engine issues, and while they report that most of their work will probably end up on the cutting room floor, they do think the finished product will end up being great. So you can start breathing again, Sager. Yeah, when this whole new story broke, I was worried at first, but then I was looking into it, and it's like, yeah, no, every game has cut content here and there, and it didn't seem as bad looking into it, and I do feel better. I'm very excited for Halo. I'm I'm cautious, cautiously optimistic about Halo Infinite. 
The reason that I can I call you a fanboy is because the one part of that story you didn't touch on was the crunch as you talk about how excited you are to play your little video game. Sorry, I used the phrase little video game on purpose because there is never any video game that will ever exist. I don't care how it saved your life. I don't care how important it to you it was. There has never been and will never be a video game that exists that is worth the crunch culture. So this uh, this Chinese, um, what is it? Studio artist. No. Skybox, Skybox artist. Uh, so this Chinese Skybox artist reported that especially when the engine wasn't working and there was that disaster showing last year that they ended up having to spend long stretches of weeks at a time where everybody was working until the wee hours of the morning. Everybody. And most of the work they worked on in that time ended up having to be cut because they had to change huge aspects and scopes of the game. There were... Zyger, and again, sorry, I'm going to cut out the fanboy here. Like, oh, there were... You know, every game has a little cut content. No, the reporting is that they were like, yeah, you know, the scope was way too big and we really had to shrink it down and that meant we had to change a bunch of stuff. And the fact the scope was so big is why we decided we had to build a new engine for it and then build the engine alongside the game. Like, those were all things that were because of poor planning by the people at the head of the game. Like, the people at the top planned poorly. And so the people at the bottom have had to crunch for weeks straight. And you're like, I'm cautiously optimistic. And that's gaming culture. Like, that right there. If you wanted, like, a perfect microcosm. If you wanted a vertical slice of gaming culture, it would be this segment. Which it's fine. I mean, it's you know, it's not your fault. You're just like every other human being on the planet. Sorry to pick on you, Zyger. I set you up for that because I knew that you were you are perfectly indicative of the average gamer, and that's why I appreciate your input. Average has a pejorative term, but like I mean, like in a good yeah. way. Like you're a litmus test of what's normal. Yeah, I, you know, like, I, I, I we need a straight man, Zyger, and I'm like I, I understand all that. <laughs> Literally, you're the only straight man on this podcast, Zyger. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, I wasn't even thinking about it like that, but all right. <laughs> like, so yeah, it's important that I feel like when most people read this, they will get the same takeaway as you. They're like, oh, I'm a little nervous. Okay, actually, it's not that bad. And then totally gloss over the crunch. Like, yes, I believe that that is the reaction most people will have to this news. And it's like, cool, so nothing's changed. So Halo Infinite has crunched just like every Halo before it. None of the reporting or anything like that has any effect. This is still exactly what the culture is. This person worked this long and suffered this much and none of their, all of their work is gone. They have no proof of this work to show on their resume in the future. They can't be like, I published X game because all the stuff that they made didn't get published. They have a different job now. They're not currently working on Halo Infinite anymore. They're working on something else that's going to get made. <laughs> like, And they're like, yeah, basically all the work I just spent X number of years doing, you're never going to see it, and it was all for nothing. But that's games development, and it doesn't have to be. And that's the point of this podcast. I also think developing your engine alongside your game is always a bad idea. Don't do that. Please don't do that to developers. What are you doing? What are you? Insane. When has that ever worked? The closest to a success story you get is Final Fantasy XV, and it took them 30 years. Oh, you get it with um, with Dragon Age Inquisition, too, because they were building the RPG elements of the Frostbite engine as that game was being built. I was because when they got that- it, 
the frostbite engine didn't have a quest line. Yeah, I was like, see, I was, to be honest, I was thinking about the Frostbite engine, and then I was like, I don't know, they weren't building the engine, they were just desperately trying to cram a game not made for an engine onto that engine. And that has happened quite a few times, to be fair, like, there's definitely examples of that. But... Did it and, happen? And to, to also be fair, like, Dragon Age Inquisition is a 10 out of 10 for most of the people on this podcast, but it scored, like, you know, 8s, didn't it? It wasn't, like, even 9s. It won Game of the Year's at some so, outlets. Yeah, some of like most of the time it took like JRPG of the year though, RPG of the year. Sorry, I forget those are different things. Yeah, I don't know. I always just want to make sure that you know when it comes to RPGs, I'm always like, I know I adore them, but I also know that the general public is always like, yeah, that's pretty good, which is an eight. Uh, so yeah, like that's why I'm like, Halo Infinite is not supposed to come out and be received the same way Dragon Age Inquisition is, right? Like, it's supposed to be 10, 10 of 10s, like when a new Zelda drops. It's supposed to be an event that changes the face of the industry, and it's it's what everything's for. It's supposed to be showing what we could be if we throw all of our money and resources and talent at a problem. A prob- The problem is video games. I don't know why I said a problem yeah. instead of a game. We'll call that a Freudian slip. <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, I think Halo Infinite is going to come out and get tense. If I was doing that thing where, you know, there's that... Uh, fantasy Critically? Fantasy, yes. Thank you. I have, like, fantasy, fantasy Baseball, but for gaming, not Fantasy Gaming. Fantasy Critic. There's that Fantasy Critic League. If you didn't draft Halo Infinite for a perfect 10 out of 10... Okay. Why? I, I actually don't it. think it's going to get 10 out of 10s. I want I it really? to, but I don't think it is. I think people are so... Uh, wrongfully mad about Halo 5. Like, I thought Halo 5 was good. Like, I think they marketed that game badly. I think that's, yep. like, when you look back at, like, really bad marketing decisions, like, that game makes no sense in the marketing of that game versus what the game actually was. And, uh, but, like, I the game like- itself is good and people are mad about it. I, I think people, I think we're going to maybe be in a situation where, like, it might be a Fallout 4 situation where, like, it's the it's going to be the first one where people are like not going to take the the common problems that the series has they're going to be real mad about it's so weird for the like follow baffles me because i played fallout 4 first and then i went back and played the other fallout games and was like people chose fallout 4 to get mad about it's so much like decisively better in every meaningful way in every direction and like is a huge leap forward in terms of the progress every game before it is made i don't under i have a great i just i have hundreds of hours in fallout 4 and i I don't know i just i do not get it but i feel like halo infinite has had that thing where so much time has passed between the last Halo that it's cooled a bit. Like, I agree with you because it could totally be an Andromeda thing where everyone's yeah, so yeah. pissed at Mass Effect 3. It didn't matter that 700 decades happened between 3 and Andromeda. Andromeda came out with everyone already wanting to be mad at it. Let's be real honest about that. You can say it had this problem or that problem, but the public opinion was against the Mass Effect series when that game came out. That's just, I don't know, that's just my reality as as far as yep. I lived it. So many and people were mad you can't be Shepard. When I see people online talking about Halo, I don't see that like, ah, oh, they ruined Mass Effect 3 energy still lingering. I see people like Zyger who are like, golly gee, I just want a new Halo so gosh darn bad. I'll take anything. Please feed me dog food. Like, 
So I, I, I'm expecting the game to be an eight and get tens. I am not in any way expecting a game to, I would say, like, what did Halo 5 score? Oh, and did Halo 5 come out before or after the uh, Legendary Collection, Master Chief Collection? It after? came out after. Because that's the thing. is, I hear people talking about how they're still playing Master Chief Collection all the time. That's people play that game and again. they fuck. Yeah, and it's because it's all 900 games. I don't even know what they're actually playing on it. But as far as I know, everyone loves the Master Chief Collection and they play it constantly still. Halo 5 got an 84. 84. That is pretty low. That is surprising low for, for Halo. I would expect Halo Infinite to get no lower than an 88. Personally. Like, I would be shocked if it got lower than an 88. Now it could come out and be broken as shit, but I'm, I don't know. I'm pretty confident it's not going to come out unless it's at least an 88. Whether Polygon is the it? biggest oh. outlet. Polygon is the highest score from, like, the big outlets, and that was a 90. Wow. Yeah. I oh and IGN gave it a nine. What did they mark it down for? Um like what was the general consensus of why people Halo didn't like the story down? a lot because they had said they had set it up to be like this big like fight between people playing Martin Locke and uh Master Chief and it wasn't. But uh they everybody liked the yeah, it's the story. People didn't like the single player. Everybody loved the multiplayer. I mean, that's just like the story of Halo, though. Well, I was going to say, I didn't know people were invested in Halo's story, except for Zyger, who's read every novel over quarantine. I haven't read them all yet, for clarification, but I have read yeah. a bunch. <laughs> this boy does not read any books, and all of a sudden, books started arriving, and I was so excited. And then I realized what he was reading. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the only thing I've ever seen him read. And some of you are listening, and you're like, come on, Kaylee, at least he's reading. Good for him. No. No, that's not what people read mean when they say read a book. They're good <laughs> books. That's not when I when people say read a book, they don't mean read the Halo novels. They mean read Yo. 1984. Reading the novels made Halo's five stories better in retrospect. Zegger, why don't you read one of each of the nine stories of J.D. Salinger's nine stories for every one Halo novel you read? And then I will feel better about myself. Just just, just that. It's that simple. Read, read anything about critical race theory. Just anything. Just, you know, like, for all the goddamn Halo books you're reading. <laughs> like, that's what people mean when they say read a book. They mean read Marks, not... Master Chief. <laughs> Read Mark's not Master Chief is going to be on my tombstone. I just can And if you saw my tweet today where I swear I'll never read Mark's because I don't need I don't need to deify a white man's version of how yeah. the world should work that badly, you'll realize how funny that is on like a meta level. It's double funny. I saw that tweet. I was like, she wants me to read the thing she won't read herself? Yeah. No, it was a bit. These were all bits. <laughs> If you haven't read 1984 by now, like, if you're over the age of 22, you don't need to read 1984. There's no concept in 1984 you haven't actively lived through worse. You know, like, 1984 is the thing you read in high school because that's when it can stop you from going to college and being a college Republican. If you're already a young Republican, 1984 is not going to do anything for you. If you made it through college and, and you're still a centrist, 1984 is not going to awaken anything in your mind. Read Beloved and then maybe you could feel something. Like, I don't know what else to tell you. 
That's what read a book means. <laughs> it means read beloved. You cry a lot. Read House of Leaves. And then you can tell me you read a book this year. I'm just like, I will gatekeep the shit out of reading. I don't care. I do not care. You read poetry? Shut up. I hate you. <laughs> I'm trying to think of something to piss off everybody. Like every person who has an opinion about literature, I'm trying to make mad. Emily Dickinson never wrote anything good. I don't know how to break this to you. She was just a sad lesbian. <laughs> We've all been there. It doesn't make it good. <laughs> like... <laughs> I'm sorry for picking on Emily Dickinson. She had a hard life. I know she's dead. She's not going to like read it on Twitter. But I still feel bad. All right. Overwatch League continues to really struggle with this whole trying to stay on the good side of an authoritarian regime exerting claims to land its native people hold sovereign thing. As beloved Overwatch League daddy Sabiobi learned when he made the mistake of saying out loud... It made him uncomfortable streaming on Chinese services where he wasn't allowed to admit Hong Kong and Taiwan existed. This expression of fact and good moral judgment was met with all four Chinese teams issuing statements boycotting all league events with Sabiobi's presence. But if you're not, SBB ended up apologizing for the terrible thing he said about Taiwan being a place and has not been played by his team, the Seoul Dynasty, since the season began, despite him being bonkers good and all five teams releasing unanimous, identical statements claiming they had come to an understanding and things would go back to normal. Cool. Free Hong Kong. Come on, Blizzard. Just come. Why? Like, they did this whole thing where they mixed all the teams up, too, which, like, yeah. is, like, a minor thing, but, like... I can't watch n- most of the teams I've watched because now they're in the the oh, East League. And it's just like, okay. And so- I can't support any Chinese teams now, quite frankly. Yeah. Quite frankly. Yeah, it's disappointing. The, one of the Dragons. Chinese teams, uh, the Shanghai Dragons coach came out and said that um, he needed to keep politics out of gaming. God. I love when the country that got kicked around by the two larger countries, when the people from that country are told to keep politics out of gaming. I don't think people realize that Korea is the one that Japan and China would just be like, hey, let's pick on you. Let's pick on you. Let's pick over and over. For thousands of years. I mean, Korean discrimination laws in Japan are still crazy. Not even like set China aside. You think Japan is super woke. You can't serve in government office if your grandfather was Korean today. I mean, you also have to wear high heels if you present female at work. But, like, it's really bad. I don't think people realize the Korean racism that's not, like, regular, like, American anti-Asian discrimination. Because we're so – because America is so racist that we can't see different Asian cultures as being capable of being racist within themselves – that we're like, oh, no, like, Koreans right next to Japan and China. They must all get along great. They're all Asian. It's like, mm, that's not actually how anything works. <laughs> like, at all. It's like how California and Texas so famously get along. They're right by each other. <laughs> they have so much in common. Gamers are filing a class action lawsuit over the fact digital games are more expensive than physical games eventually get by accusing Sony of having a monopoly on digital PlayStation games. Yes, people with the money and resources to put together a class action lawsuit. This is the monopoly that needs addressing. The complaint focuses on the fact Sony used to allow Amazon and such to sell actual codes for digital games, but then stopped and only allowed them to sell codes for PlayStation currency. 
Well, I can see their technically point. A walled garden only letting you purchase walled garden accessories within the walled garden is like complaining that Olive Garden won't let Walmart sell their breadsticks, but will let you buy a gift card. For what a real class action looks like, you'll have to wait for the quality assurance. But rest assured, the Epic versus Apple lawsuit citing in Epic's favor leads here. Leads to, yes, Sony's monopoly on the PlayStation Store is unfounded and everyone has to be able to buy digital, has to be able to sell digital games. Which means, I'll, what's the website that everyone buys digital codes off of, even though they're fake 70% of the time? CD keys? Yes! CD keys. Imagine if there was 9 million CD keys. Welcome to the future. I hope you like virus software, too. Right? <laughs> I miss Get me- good at running antiviral. You miss LimeWire? <laughs> like... The thing that I don't get is how come they just don't buy just the physical copy if it's cheaper? Like, why are you dying on this hill that you need to buy fucking Spider-Man digitally for the same price as the physical copy? Just And it's like the physical copy is cheaper because all the information's on that disc. And once they make the disc, they no longer have any cost to it. But a digital game, they have to keep servers with all the information for that game up and available to download. And at any time, you have to be able to go in and download that whole game. And that is why... And you can't resell a digital code. You can, like, used physical games are always going to be cheaper. Because that's what happens, is the the people that will think like this will be like, I can get this game for $5 used at GameStop. Why is the digital code still X amount of money? And it's like, well, you just said it's used, right? I mean, let alone, like, used Nintendo games never devalue, ever. Nope. A a 20-year-old used Nintendo game will be maybe $5 different. But... I think it also has to do with the economics of, like, how game, like, how Sony and Xbox publish their, like, their physical media. Like, part of the reason Nintendo games never go down is because they don't usually overproduce the number of discs. Like, you always see, like, that first run of Nintendo games, if it's a really popular game, be like, you can't find the physical game anywhere, so, right? Whereas, like, you probably could walk into a play I, I i wouldn't know maybe fred meyer this is definitely what happens by the fred meyer at Meyer house you can still buy like new copies of like the god of war for ps3 like they still have like yes. new copies of that game just like hanging out because sony made like a billion a billion of them yeah. Zager, what was that game that came out on switch shortly after i got my switch and i was like i don't want to buy digital games i prefer my games physical and i didn't pre-order it because who the fuck needs to pre-order games anymore and we drove to like GameStop. we drove here we drove all over god's green earth looking for this fucking game and nobody had it in stock and so i ended up having to buy it for real was it not fire emblem i was about to say i think it was fire emblem three houses wasn't it Fire Emblem Three Houses? Yeah. Yep. We looked all over to all these different places so I could buy it physically. And because I was like, you know, I, I only pre-order if I want a pre-order bonus. Deadass. I pre-order if I want a special edition that's going to sell out. Or if there's a really cool pre-order bonus. Usually you get like some free tchotchke and I want it. And so I'll get the pre-order bonus. But Fire Emblem, I decided last minute I wanted. It didn't have a particular uh, pre-order bonus. And then I woke up that day and was like, I'm going to buy Fire Emblem. No, I didn't. I bought it digitally. I ended up caving and buying it digitally. But Nintendo Nintendo had enough games sent to every store to cover the goddamn pre-orders. And that was basically it. Yep. I was thinking about it, like, when I first bought my 360, I would go to GameStop, and they would have 
30 copies of Gears of War pre-owned for like $2 each because they just had so many copies of it. I like again, I get the I get the concept of being like, "Hey, I used to be able to buy the game digitally on Amazon and then I could pre-order it digitally on Amazon and not have to pay for it till it came out or you know, I could pre-order it on Amazon." Like that's the thing I don't get. It's like you you want to buy it I guess I could understand buying a digital code for a game in a in-person Walmart, maybe. Because I don't do I that. I, but like, what I don't understand is why you would need to. Like, what what niche is this not? Like, what niche is not being filled? Because a lot of times the argument between physical and digital games is that digital games have huge accessibility issues because they require you know connection to good internet and things like that. And I'm trying to think of a situation where you would be in a situation where you need a digital copy and only have access to a physical copy and you're fucked. And on PlayStation, the only thing I can think of is PSP Go. Well, the PS5 has digital-only consoles now. Well, PS5, yeah, yeah now, I guess, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you have a digital only console, I guess you're. But like that's why I didn't buy a digital only console because I knew digital only consoles meant that I would only get digital only prices on my games, and I wanted physical prices on my games if there was games that I didn't want. I mean, also these people just need to learn to like get a Costco membership. Like I buy all my digital store things from Costco because you get like a hundred bucks for like eighty bucks. Ooh, nice. I had no idea. And then you don't have to like. And also, like those things go on sale all the time too. So like. If you want to get deals on digital games, the best way to do it is to get deals on the gift cards. Yeah, and there's another thing where they're like, you can buy the gift card on Amazon and those go on sale, but then you have to take the gift card you got on sale and, you know, buy it on the PlayStation Store. It's like, yeah, there's like an extra step, I guess. They put the card on sale instead of the game, but the card can be turned into anything, including multiple games. (laughs) It's just it's it's a weird argument that I think people on the service level might get caught up in. You know, it's one of those things that might trip people up into. People might be confused into thinking they have a point. They don't have a like. If you look at any of the possible endings where they get what they want, they all look shitty. That's the that's the problem. That's where I get stuck. Where there's no way that they win this lawsuit, and it's a win for gamers. You know, like that's that's not gonna happen. It's just stupid. All right. I will say this stupid, not going to end well for gamers class action lawsuit is a perfect segue into tonight's quality assurance. As you might have guessed, because I said it repeatedly, uh, we are going to go over the Apple versus Epic lawsuit that's been going on. Now, I'm going to start off the jump with some great highlights. There's a, there was so much that came out this week. It was ridiculous. We started keeping track initially thinking that, oh, it's opening arguments for a really long drawn out lawsuit. You know, how much information can, can really be coming out this early in the trial? And then so much information came out. So we're going to go over a bunch of shit that happened because of this lawsuit that has nothing to do with the lawsuit itself. So if you have no idea what the lawsuit's about, don't worry. You do not need to for any of the stuff we're going to talk about today. Um, this lawsuit already is such a circus that we will most likely be having more segments talking about things that happen as a result of this case. And because of that, we've made the executive decision to do a full quality assurance on the actual case, Apple versus Epic, 
once there's a verdict and we can actually just talk about the whole trial and, and case and verdict and, and everything, as opposed to just having 900 updates, because this is the first week and here's what we have so far. So to start off, very, very first day, the public call-ins for... <laughs> The very first day, public call-ins could not be muted. So anybody in the public that called in to join the is it Zoom call? Uh, oh, I don't know. Could what not be was. right. I, I couldn't remember the actual program they used, but the the program, oh they used Discord. Oh, it was Discord. Yeah. Shut the fuck up. So the <laughs> Discord call that was broadcasting the trial, nobody could be muted, which meant it, which meant. Which meant it very quickly devolved into an Xbox Live chat, slurs included, uh, and somebody playing Travis Scott music until the lawyers could finally figure out how to mute everybody calling in to check out the court. That's how it's like 12-year-olds screaming free Fortnite was like... Yep. Set the perfect tone. This is is, is who Epic is fighting for. We speak for thee! Uh, Epic brought all those people there. Immediately after that, uh, a public folder for exhibits and evidence to be perused by the public had a bunch of redacted information and uh, emails dumped into it for the public to peruse. And peruse they did. The only good thing about this album versus the epic story is how many times I'm going to use the word peruse. So buckle the fuck up. <laughs> so some highlights of this beautiful classified evidence dump exposing tons of industry secrets and backroom drama included Epic Games filleting Sony's whole ball sack to try to get them on cross on board for crossplay on Fortnite. Sony did not want crossplay for PS4. Sony had the most sweetheart deal handed to them on a silver platter where Epic said, we will announce crossplay as a thing brought to life by PlayStation because of PlayStation. We will paint you as the heroes that brought all gamers together forever. You will have a sweetheart, cushy crossplay deal and everything will be awesome. And PS4 said, why don't you go fuck yourself? Beautiful. <laughs> It did also reveal that Sony has cross-play revenue share agreements with at least some other companies. A document that said, for attorney uh, view only, for attorney view only, all over it. No authorized viewing, not permitted, don't look at this, only for our lawyer's eyes, scribbled all over the sheet, was a breakdown of exactly how much certain companies have to pay Sony. And the way that it's determined is based on how many cross-play users of a game there are versus how many people bought that game on PlayStation. And a percentage of that difference, companies have to pay Sony. So that's fascinating. It's so bizarre. And Sony's the only one doing this. Well, now, <laughs> until everyone right else now. found out, I can only imagine what other people are thinking about this. Yep. Uh, yeah. Apple has an email chain and evidence relating to when Big Fish briefly had a subscription game service on the App Store before they remove it, where Apple desperately tries to reverse engineer a reason for the takedown. 
This will ring super true to anyone who's ad like been an admin for something and there's been like a problem child that toes the line and finally everyone comes together and it's like, okay, we're going to ban him. And it looks horrible in hindsight, but it's like, well, not in hindsight, but it looks horrible outside of context. Moment. And in this case, it is evil. But, you know, you have that thing where like, we're going to ban him. We don't know how. But next thing they do, like, we have to figure out a reason for this to be justified. And if we get all our ducks in a row so that we can execute swiftly and remove this before, you know, the problem persists. And if your admin chats don't have shit like that, you have a bad admin team that doesn't get rid of people. And your community is probably a little toxic. Sorry about it. But in this case, it's just that, like... Golly gee, we have to give a pretense for this being legal because it's totally not an email chain. So not looking great for Apple there. <laughs> and then in a delightful exchange between between Tim Sweeney and Phil Spencer himself, Tim Sweeney personally emailing Phil fucking Spencer before the shit show of Epic, uh, Epic, Epic and Apple went live was you will enjoy the upcoming fireworks show. Hinting to Phil Spector. I keep wanting to say Phil Spector. <laughs> Isn't that a murderer? Yeah, he was the producer of the Beatles. And, and then, then he murdered, he murdered somebody. Yeah, that's it. Okay. That's what I said. A murderer. Uh, like, Tim Sweeney was like, I know what I'll do. I'll email Phil fucking Spencer. Like... I'll email Xbox and be like, oh, man, wait till you see what I'm about to do with Apple, yo. Like, what are you, five? Are you a prepubescent boy? Like, this is that toxic masculinity just fucking... Like, I can accept teenage boys are teenage boys. If society can accept that you need to stop being a teenage boy when you're no longer a teenager. That's like... This is... Are you? This man's like in his 50s. Talking about the fireworks show he's going to create with an unnecessary lawsuit that's going to fuck everyone over. Yeah, that evil is jaw-dropping. He's like if a gamer became a CEO, right? Like, he's the gamer CEO. It's, like, so bad. I think next week Tim Cook's going to get up there. And, like, even before Tim Cook, there's a guy who's going to be testifying this week who's named Craig Federici, who is the head of software development at Apple, like all the internal apps and the iOS development and all that. The man is super whip smart. He's going to make Tim Sweeney look like an idiot. Everyone's just going to get up there and be like, that guy runs a company that makes billions of dollars. This is the guy who like, isn't even the guy in charge. <laughs> yeah. It's I I'm excited for the full breakdown of the actual lawsuit itself, because it's just, it's a saga. It's one man's, it's if a gamer became, I mean, you nailed it. It's if it's here. We gave this gamer a billion dollars in power. Watch what happens next. <laughs> it's, that's just what this lawsuit is. Um, so that was just, but by the way, all of that was just in the classified email drop, like the classified evidence drops that happened. All that stuff that came out was just shit that was supposed to be confidential that accidentally got leaked to the public. The actual trial itself in, has already had so many gaming meets reality, like internet meets real life moments. Uh, the judge has already thrown up their hands in frustration and exasperation on court record with the overwhelming number of third parties demanding 
anything vaguely mentioning them be sealed. The the judge was shocked at the number of third parties that came forward before the trial, like before the trial went public, saying, hey, you know, we get mentioned here. You have to block us out. You have to block us out here. You have to, you know, confidential, confidential, confidential. While evidence is being presented, one side is interrupting the other side to say, hey, by the way, a third party contacted us to let us know that when this comes up, you have to block it. Including a moment today where Apple went to submit evidence about an email that Epic and question mark it ended up being paradox which we assume is paradox uh entertainment international paradox entertainment. i thought it was interactive interactive so i was like i think it's an i international interactive paradox we think it's paradox interactive but it, the only information that was made available was paradox literally it just said paradox and somebody was demanding it be sealed so this is the level of petty gaming is with Everything is a is an in everything's a secret. It's all whisper networks and secrets so deep that even the U.S. judicial system is struggling to get information from these companies. So Epic had emailed Paradox some information that Apple wanted to submit into evidence and then question Epic about. And when they went to go do that, Epic was like, "Hey, hey, hey, hey! We just found out. Sorry, so sorry. We literally just found this out." Um, a third party is requesting that be sealed. The the third the other person that's mentioned in the email, Paradox, is requesting that be sealed. And the judge was like, Are you fucking kidding me? That's when the judge just loses it. Like, the judge is like, Are you serious? Right now? They just decided to do this. Now you know how many requests I've had submitted already in an orderly, timely fashion, appropriately? I've already had way too many. And in the middle of the trial, as it's already going, for this like small little thing. That's so tiny and insignificant. They're really taking the time to do this right now. She was so baffled by the opacity of the industry. A judge that deals with government bureaucracy daily was blindsided by the opacity of the institutions around gaming. Like, that's how bad it is. I feel so bad for her. It's just so bad. What, What really made me feel bad was when all of the lawyers... Both sides, lawyers and the judge, are all trying to figure out Xbox's naming conventions. Oh God! Oh God. And it's like Xbox and the Xbox and the Microsoft. You know, the, the employee on stand is like, "Do you mean Xbox is in the gaming console or Xbox is in the brand ecosystem?" And the judge and the other lawyer were both just like, "I don't, I don't, I don't." I have no idea. What does Xbox mean? Well, Xbox can mean one of the 12 following definitions. Xbox can refer to this and it can refer to that. And everyone's just like, wait, what? They're copious notes cross-referencing Charlie Kelly. It's always sunny, you know, conspiracy boards behind them. Because Xbox is so convoluted and confusing with its naming. And I've said this. I remember, I remember when the Xbox One came out. And I would be on podcasts and be like, that's bad for anybody buying things for children or anyone who isn't balls deep in gaming culture. This is a dangerous naming convention that will confuse people. And then the Xbox One Series X and S came out. And I was like, are you shitting me? This is going to fuck over everybody. And everyone in gaming that I've ever talked to about this on podcasts has been like, Oh, it's not that bad. It's such an expensive purchase. They'll make sure to talk to the store associate and they're definitely not going to buy it on Amazon or anything, you know, and then this happens and I'm like, look, look at normal human beings trying to discuss your brand. 
They're just trying to talk about your brand in a legal setting where your brand's not on trial. Literally not on trial. Apple and Epic are on trial. But we can't talk about Xbox because it is such a confusing fuck-up ecosystem of naming conventions that no one can figure it out. And these are people who pass the bar exam. The most obnoxious fucking I-can-pay-enough-money-for-tutors-to-retain-information-for-two-weeks exam that God's ever created. I think my favorite part of the thing this week that was leaked out was uh, Tim Cook basically having... uh the Mariah Carey moment of I don't know her when Tim Sweeney like sends him this email and yes! is like you should really like de you should really like decertify a lot of stuff on the app store like it's not tenable to stay this and he like emails the other two executives at Apple and is like is this that guy from that rehearsal like who is this guy <laughs> emailing me telling me what i should be doing with apple <laughs> like just the cojones on tim sweetie tim sweetie is the guy that emails the social media team on why they should be giving them a code for their twitch channel of one average viewer I understand that I received a rejection for my request for a code for Worms Armageddon. And let me tell you the following reasons why that was the largest mistake your company's ever made. <laughs> it's been beautiful. So this, And you'll note, none of this has had anything to do with the merits of the case. The other people, because it's class action, the other people that are involved on Epic's side that actually aren't billionaires that have mildly valid cases we'll get into later like all of this has come out that's just been wow the gaming industry is such a clusterfuck our legal system is decades behind and woefully unprepared and uneducated on it more lawyers need to play video games more more judges need to play video games more video game companies need to understand that they're not fucking special and that they're not, not everyone has the KFC 11 herbs and spices that need to be protected by two people in a cyanide tablet. Like, it's just unnecessary. The I don't know if it's paranoia or ego that makes everyone think that every thought they've had is just a sacred, holy text. Every email that's ever been composed with their signature on it. But, oh man, it is bad. And it, it, it's so nice to be able to have normies come in and be like, no, 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 you're into like, people always say like, the games industry, you know, any other industry has similar things, blah, blah, blah. And it's so nice to have other industries like the real world come in and be like, what the fuck are you guys doing? You make more money than music and movies. How are you guys this fucked? We've figured like we can even handle music and movies. Not that well, especially because of internet relating to music and movies. But goddamn, are we unprepared for how badly gaming has fucked up every facet of its institutions, from the way that its studios work to its journalism. Everything is just wonkadoo, weird chimeras. I don't understand why they don't treat it more like the film industry. We would get better journalism. We would get better criticism. We would get... Movies have hype cycles, but, like, not to the degree that games do because we hear things you know what i'm saying like we hear xyz director is gonna do xyz project like two years before the movie come out yeah movies get dragged when a movie poster drops four years before it releases like that becomes a joke if a movie poster drops that early 
It's four years and the movie still hasn't come out? Ha 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 we ha We're getting 10 plus year development cycles for AAA games now. Decade-long development cycles. People who their first game out of college got to land a job at a AAA studio will not ship a game for a decade. Imagine working five years at a studio and having no shipped games on your resume when most studios require multiple shipped games to apply for new jobs. That's how people get trapped in an industry. You know, like think about how scary that is. You're in for four, five, six years, no shipped games because you're working on The Last of Us. You know, like suddenly maybe getting a big AAA job right out of school isn't that enticing. It's a lot of things. It's just... It's so bad. I was talking, so I had a date yesterday, and this is how I spent it. Um, I literally spent it ranting about how I think the games industry should be. And one of the things I compared it to in the movie industry that we don't have in relation to games journalism is the movie and TV industries have award shows. We have the Oscars. We have the Kids' Choice Awards. We have the VMAs. We have all of these things that recognize that there are award-worthy facets of very, very, very different content. Like, the movie that wins the Kids' Choice Awards is usually not winning the Oscar. But we recognize that both of those types of movie deserve their own award show. Like, we have the Razzies, for Christ's sake, you know? Like, we understand that we have really niche... Like, with the Writers Guild of America Awards, where it's, like, just for great writing. Imagine if we had entire prestigious respected award shows for the writing in video games what that would do to how we think about games imagine if we had like you know con for games imagine like if we looked at games and we had games journalists where some games journalists were gunning for a pulitzer and jason schreier had an actual place to go where he could feel like he fit and we also had the tmz you know, where we just understood that there are two different types of, not just two, that there are multiple types of journalism. And some people are all for scoops and some are in-depth reporting and some is gossip and some is, you know, the blind item, you know, super gossip pages, shit like that. Like all other industries have kind of accepted these and and carved out all of these niches but then also have unions that hold them all. (laughs) And for some reason, we try to have this thing where, no, movie critics are different than other types of movie journalists. You know, Ebert, Roger Ebert wasn't breaking scoops about how Raiders of the Lost Arts stunts were made. Those are different journalists. And the fact that critics are essentially also journalists and essentially fanboys also get to call themselves journalists and gossip people get to call themselves journalists. And everybody in games is just a games journalist and all websites try to have that same like weird, we do objective gaming news. Like everyone wants to be the CNN of gaming. We don't need 900 CNNs of gaming. We don't even need 900 CNNs. There's too many CNNs. And if we could just accept that like, we're the TMZ of gaming, bitches. Or like, you know, we're the real art house of gaming. We're the this of gaming. And we we allowed gaming to be treated like all these other forms of entertainment. But I feel like gamers just so desperately want to be special and different and unique that it gets to the point of being like, well, no, we're too special and different and unique for your unions and your ethical work hours and, <laughs> and your human rights policies and your... Um, 
crediting people who work on projects regardless of whether or not they stay seven years through the project's completion if the work that they did stays in the goddamn game. Like, these are things that games gets to pretend we just haven't figured out yet when we have. It's just in slightly different industries that have been around for decades and have gone through these growing pains. Yeah, I think we also lose the side of the video game industry that I'm interested in, which is at the end of the day, these are all software and it's computer and it's technology and like developers will give you reasons. I think we talked about it on the show. Wasn't there one where like a developer gave a reason as to why Oh, it was um, Outriders, right? They were like, we're doing something with the AI. That's why this game is an online-only game. There's right, something yeah. with the AI that we're using servers to, like, generate that power out, right? That's why it was an online-only game for a single-player game. And everyone was like, why is it only online? Why?" And they're like, well, developers gave you a reason. If we don't have journalists who are technically savvy enough to ask follow-up questions about, like, well, what do you mean by that? Is it able to be divorced in any way? Is it doing it so you can do cool things with it? If we don't have people who are technically savvy enough to do that, then like we miss a whole part of and this And that's a industry. great point too, because it's not just technically savvy to ask the questions or to report what they say. It's technically savvy enough to be like, there was that one game that was a Stadia exclusive and they were like, the only way, Bomberman, wasn't that one Bomberman at Stadia exclusive? Yeah, correct. And they said, the only way this game will physically work is because of Stadia and it has to be exclusive because it physically can't work on anything but Stadia's architecture because of the magic cloud server powers that Stadia has. And then Stadia sold like shit and then Bomberman came out on other consoles because that was a lie but nobody who interviewed them either it wasn't like they cared enough because it was a stadia game or had the tech know-how to push back and be like wait a minute what is bomberman doing that requires only cloud saving that things like psn's cloud saves and xbox live's cloud saves couldn't work with i think it's really also telling that like for the apple uh, epic case specifically i haven't followed a single gaming site's coverage of it all the gaming sites coverage of it has been terrible like i've been looking at the verge mostly they've got yeah. someone live in the courtroom every day reporting out from it and it's like the sources that we're going to link with this in the show notes are going to be the verge and some good uh twitter threads from the people at the verge uh tuning in and just giving live correspondence so if you click on any of those threads as the court cases proceed and they continue live corresponding those threads will continue to grow so yeah, but um, IGN and GameStop should absolutely be embarrassed that they can't cover the biggest case in their own industry in probably ever. It's like the Microsoft antitrust case, right? Like it's as big as that Microsoft antitrust case in the 90s, right? There and was they one can't IGN article that linked to the Bloomberg article. <laughs> I mean. Which is nice because Bloomberg has a paywall and I had hit my last. That Bloomberg article was my last article I can read this month. So I was like, okay, I'll because originally I was just going to link the Bloomberg. And then I was like, let me link the IGN too in case uh, people get tripped up by that paywall. <laughs> Because it's just a summary of the Bloomberg article with a link to the Bloomberg article either at the beginning or the end. Somewhere in there. Yeah, this is all one week. One week of like, and again, this is one side giving their argument. This is basically just Tim Sweeney testifying. We haven't heard anything from Apple. So this case is only going to get more bonkers. And we look forward to the part two of the story. I'm very excited for my favorite Apple asshole, Scott Forstall, to show back up. He's been 
missing for everywhere and he is like an asshole on the level of Tim Sweeney so it'll be interesting oh. to see what he's got to say I'm so excited I can't wait so if you were like Apple versus Epic some boring ass lawsuit boring boring law boring bureaucracy hopefully this wasn't like a droning talking about what sections they're accused of violating etc cetera, etc cetera. but this was the fun I liked using the phrase hot goss earlier <laughs> it's the it's yeah. the most like hello fellow kids phrase i've ever heard in my life it makes me so happy it's just the cringiest thing i think i'm getting addicted to cringe because i was like oh i'm gonna use the phrase hot goss again <laughs> i love it i yeah, unironically one, love it now one of my favorite aspects of this trial is that like all of these highlights that we talked about that's not even everything that like came out from this court case there's so much more so like if any of this interests you a uh, listener listening to this click on those threads and see all the bizarre information that came out, like we found out that what uh, Fortnite made like ninety eight percent of all of Epic's revenue for twenty eighteen. Yeah, and it was billions of dollars, and that big game store made uh, less than nothing. It's not going to turn a profit for like a decade. I will say how dare you to Apple, though, that they dunked on their beautiful game, Oregon Trail, when they were, like, talking about trying to define, like, what is a game? Like, is Oregon Trail a game or an app? Yeah, because then Epic was trying to argue that Fortnite is not a game. It's a virtual world where people live and that the game was just, like, an ancillary part of it because you can have concerts in Fortnite and then Apple was like, okay, but are people playing Fortnite for the concerts or are they playing Fortnite? See how I just used the verb play because that's the verb people use for Fortnite because it's a game. And you've had like three concerts, which now feel suspiciously like they were held specifically so you could make this legal argument because every single time you've had one, the reaction has been what the fuck? A concert in Fortnite? That's weird. And also things like Second Life and PlayStation Home and real examples of virtual worlds that are not themselves games already exist. So what the fuck backwards legal arguments are you trying to make, Epic? You're the one that initiated this lawsuit. Is this really what you had to bring to the party? Beautiful. Yeah. All of it. It doesn't There's stop so many good highlights <laughs> that we haven't even covered because it's so oh, many. Xbox isn't profitable. That's the other one. Like the actual console itself doesn't make them any money. X Microsoft oh, yeah. makes all of their money off. I mean, we've all theorized that for years, but now they yep. had to get in federal court and say that was the case. Yeah. <laughs> no, we make money. We make yeah. money. We promise. For those that weren't aware, uh, the assumption has always been that um, makers sell hardware at a loss. Like, Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo, especially, like, one of the reasons Nintendo's first party is doing so well makes them buku bucks when they shit out the Wii U or piss off all third parties with their lower processing power is the fact that the real money for most places is in their first party games. Or, like, accessories, controllers. Like, if you've bought 12 different colored Joy-Cons or PS4s or you've been to the Xbox controller lab a couple times, you're the reason that they're turning a profit, not buying the Xbox. But now we know that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Now that we know now we know that. Now they had to say it on the books. But that's that's been the, the theory when people talk about, like, oh, when Xbox and PlayStation, people were talking about, oh, is it going to launch at 400 or is it going to launch at 500? The conversation was always... How much is one side willing to lose to get a lower price than the other side? Because no matter what, it was never a question of how much does it have to cost for it to be profitable. The assumption has always been it ain't going to be profitable because it's yep. impossible to be profitable at the prices consoles are sold at. 
the reason consoles are cheaper than PCs is because consoles are sold at a loss. PCs aren't sold at a loss because PCs don't get money back in software. So buying a PC is initially more expensive. But because PCs aren't sold at a loss with software needing to make it up, that's why Steam can have all those sales. And in the long run, PCs can be cheaper because you're spending money on $5 Steam games instead of $60 Xbox games. And it's another reason why Xbox Game Pass is impossibly untenable because they're cutting hugely into their game sales by giving them all away for free. Well, for a subscription price that is suspiciously low a month. Because again, game sales is where they make their money. But again, Microsoft is not a company that exists just to sell games. So that it doesn't matter if Xbox makes money as long as you keep buying Windows. I'll be honest, as of right now, I have no idea what this Apple Epic lawsuit's about. I haven't looked into it because I don't care yet. I don't care about lawsuits until they're over. If you'll notice, like, oh, Kaylee, can you like it? I know you're not going to go in depth on what the lawsuit is now. You're going to do it later. But, uh, you know, I'm a listener and I have no idea what this Apple Epic lawsuit is. Uh, Well, join the club. I don't either. It's Epic. Here's what I know about it. And Spencer's going to correct me. So this is going to be a fun game. As far as I'm aware... (laughs) We have not, by the way, none of this is rehearsed. Spencer did not know I was about to say this. <laughs> as far as I'm aware, uh, Epic is pissed that to put Fortnite or any, to put an app on the App Store, you have to agree to all of Apple's terms and conditions. Apple, of course, has a, essentially a monopoly on the App Store because it's a walled garden. Apple, it's Apple's garden and they pick what flowers are allowed to grow in it. Whatever, the analogy's getting wet for me. But... <laughs> Epic was like, we want to be on the App Store, but we don't want to agree to your conditions because we don't think they're fair. And because we can't be on the App Store without agreeing to your conditions, that's taxation without representation, and we're going to do a revolution on you. It's pretty close. Uh, <laughs> and they, well, um, so as far as have- I know, Apple charges 30%. For being on the App Store. And so Epic's big thing was that's too much. That's a high percentage. And even though we, Epic, are a large company and we could afford it, it's not fair to little guys. And so the way Tim Sweeney thought he was going to be a hero is he was like, we're going to be the one that's large enough to afford to sue Apple, but we're going to do it on behalf of all the little guys who haven't been able to sue Apple, but who have been hemorrhaging profits because of that 30% cut. Which sounds good on paper, except... They're also basically accusing Apple of the same thing that those gamers are trying to do with the PlayStation Shore, that it's a monopoly. Yeah. So, and they're, they're mad that it is... I don't think they're actually legitimately mad that it, that's a 30% off the sale of the apps on the App Store because they don't sell Fortnite on the App Store. They're mad that everything you do on the App Store is 30%. So in-app purchases are 30% on the yeah, App Store. that's a good point. Uh, If you sell an app, it's 30% on the app store. The problem is, is that we have seen through leaked emails from like other federal, like governmental proceedings with Apple, that Apple has made deals with Netflix, Amazon, other big companies to do lower percentages on the app store uh, when it suits them. So I like, I don't really understand why Epic didn't just ask because they're big enough And so they decided what they were going to do was they patched – this is, like, super inside the weeds. So, like, when you submit an app to the App Store, every so often you get to be able to do, like, a hot fix where they won't question 
what your fix is because like maybe you have like a bug that's like eating people's data and you've got to like get that fix that hot fix out like now so like you get a couple of those for every like thing because every update you submit to the app store has to go through app like the app compliance thing right and they talk about that there's only 500 and something app compliance people and they do hundreds of thousands of apps a week. So Holy they, shit. And so they get about five minutes with each app. I think it worked out to be or something ridiculous like that. But like you have to do that for every update too. So they give you these hot fixes to fix like really bad like show stopping or like security bugs. And so Epic deployed a hot fix to the Fortnite client that basically circumvented all of Apple's parental controls for payments on the app store and the payment purchase system completely you could just you could decide like i'm going to pay for my v bucks through this epic thing which had no tie into the parental control like overall ios parental controls or you could do the way you were doing it through the app store and like the one thing you do not want to mess with apple with is privacy and the parental controls. They are crazy about parental controls because they want people to be able to just hand their kid a phone or a and tablet. not have to think about it and not, yeah. is that kid going to put $1,000 on my credit card because he's like buying V-Bucks off of Epic without it giving me a text message every time he makes a purchase? Like, I hadn't heard about the parental controls part. I would have been furious. Yeah. My little brother was like nine when he first got into Fortnite. Are you kidding me? Absolutely not. But yeah, so that's the lawsuit. And we'll be going into it more in detail. Um, I always just like talking about lawsuits when they're done with a verdict. So you can have a full picture. You know the end of the story as you're telling it. Uh, but there's been too much good stuff popping up. So again, if more crazy batshit stuff happens, we'll be talking about this case more in that aspect. But we're not going to keep bringing this case up with just like my new details until it's over. And then we'll do a full nice breakdown for you. Uh and hopefully you can impress your friends with all your legal knowledge. And then they'll be like, oh, ha, ha, I thought you were a gamer, but you know about the law. I can see that you're a gentleman and a scholar. <laughs> I don't know about bird law. Sucker doesn't even know about bird law. I absolutely know about bird law. Honestly, the indignation made me believe you. Yeah, I learned from Charlie. <laughs> this is going to do it for the week 13 patch rollout. Subscribe to future patches on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow the weekly patch at The Weekly Patch on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Join the QA process on our Discord server. Comments, questions, bug reports? Send them to us at hello at theweeklypatch.com. Links to all these and more in the episode patch notes below. Week 13 patch complete. Loki, I found that the easiest way to put in the transition music is just to create an eight-second pause between the Scrum intro and we start talking about it. And normally, I just add it in Audacity. 
uh, or I add it in Descript, but I'm hosting right now. So I was like, I'm just going to be quiet for eight seconds. And then I was, as I was counting the eight seconds, I was like, I'm still going to have to edit out the part where I explained to you guys why I was quiet for eight seconds. So fuck it. But this can be the blooper now. So there you go. It's called recycling. In, in my head during those eight seconds, I was playing the scrum song in my head. Scrum, 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 scrum. Yes. Yes. I love the scrum song. It makes me so happy. 